Blog Talk Radio.
And good evening, everyone, and welcome to the King Jordan Radio Show. The date is April 20th, 2017. It is Season 5, Episode 26, here on King Jordan Radio. Tonight, we're uh, waiting for our guests as we speak, but we're scheduled to talk about uh, the Aaron Hernandez suicide that... uh, happened a couple days ago, the Facebook killer um, killed himself as well, the Bill Cosby trial, LGBT, the latest on that in North Carolina, and um, much, much more. We're scheduled to have Aphrodite Jones, who is a New York Times bestseller, uh, which includes uh, books like Boys Don't Cry um, and much, much more. She is a crime expert, and she'll be at CrimeCon.com. So uh, we are waiting for her to call in as soon as possible. So in the meantime, let me play you the uh, story with the United Airlines and uh, I'll see if I can get a hold of Miss Jones. Okay, here was the story that happened uh, with the uh, United Airlines that we're going to get into tonight. It's shocking video of a passenger being forcibly removed from a plane. No! What are you doing? He was apparently knocked unconscious, then dragged down the aisle with his face bloodied. Why? Get this. He was bumped to make room for a United Airlines employee. No, this is wrong. Oh, my God. Look at what you did to him. It happened just before takeoff on a United flight from Chicago to Louisville. The plane was overbooked and four United employees needed seats. The flight crew asked for volunteers to take a later flight, but when no one came forward, four passengers were chosen by a computer and told, get off the plane. They all complied, except for one irate man who said, no way. He said, no, I'm a doctor. I have to be in the... I have to be in tomorrow to see patients. I cannot get off. So Passenger Tyler Bridges shot the dramatic video. He gives this shriek that just gives you goosebumps. What was your reaction when you heard him yell? Everyone on the plane's freaking out. You know, kids are crying. Um, everyone's upset, really disturbed by the scene there. It looked like he was knocked out. He had a bloody nose, like his nose was busted. Yeah, his glasses were off. He was really in rough shape. But there was more to come. He ran back on the plane shouting. You can see blood coming from his mouth. And at that point, every passenger was ordered off. Ultimately, he left on a stretcher. The incident is causing outrage everywhere. This is an airline, and this is the way they conduct business. I mean, it's heinous. Karen Shaler, founder of Travel Therapy. It's horrifying. United Airlines, they're the ones that overbooked the flight. They had crew members that they needed to get somewhere. This sounds like their problem, not a passenger's problem. Even United Airlines CEO Oscar Munoz expressed surprise at how things went down. This is an upsetting event to all of us here at United. We are reaching out to this passenger to talk directly to him and resolve this situation. The incident comes just days after United barred two teenagers from a flight because they were wearing leggings. 
Now this. An unbelievable set of circumstances um, with regards to the United uh, Airlines uh, um, situation. So we do have a uh, New York Times bestseller uh, who wrote Boys Don't Cry. Uh, the Michael Jackson conspiracy, where she proves Michael Jackson was innocent in 05. Please welcome world-renowned uh, crime expert Aphrodite Jones joins us here on the King Jordan Radio Show. Good evening, Aphrodite. Welcome back to the King Jordan Radio Show. Good evening, Show. Jordan. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we started out in the beginning. We were talking about what happened on United Airlines uh Situation where they got where they literally took off the doctor. What's your take on the uh, situation that happened with United Airlines? Oh my goodness! Um, well, clearly the anger over the passenger being dragged um, has has everybody just their mouths dropped. I mean, I can't even. I can't even fathom the uh, the idea that that a paying passenger, who I don't care who it is, what color, creed, what what they do, even if the person was a criminal with a criminal record, but de- but is sitting in their paid seat and hasn't committed any crime, you know, there on the plane, is dragged off in a violent way. It's just unfathomable to me. I, I just, uh, how does this happen in the United States of America? How does it happen anywhere? I mean, forced and bloodied removal from a flight that he paid for his seat? I mean, to me, this is this is a watershed moment. This is This is something that's going to change, hopefully, the way um, – any airline does business with passengers because I think that they have gotten a little too uh, overly zealous about enforcing mm-hmm. their stricter rules for passenger riders and taking advantage of, you know, this quote unquote terrorism issue, which I'm not saying it's not real, but you know what? I just got on a plane last night and when I got there, I got to the gate very late and I, It was because of a screw up with the airlines, actually, not me. I had to change flights in, uh, uh, what is it, Georgia and Atlanta, and it was a very complicated issue. And I wound up taking an hour to get from one gate to the other, to the back to the first gate, back to the. And when I took my ticket out of the the, uh, ticket taker's hand, the, what do they call them, reservationists, whatever they are, the gatekeepers, and I grabbed it, she said, she said, and I and I kind of she goes, don't snatch that from me, and I and That's I thought, are you serious? kidding me? Oh my! I mean, really? And and I looked at her. I must have given her a look that was death because I really was so exhausted at that point. I I almost missed the flight. I was I literally sweat was dripping down my face, and and I it must have given her a death stare because she said, "That's not nice," as if she was if she, she could that. have gone that far. To say to me, you snatched that from me, and now you're not getting on the plane. She was going to go there. Oh, my. 
because That's I was terrible. the last person getting on a flight, and because I was upset standing on the flight to, at the at the thing that I almost missed this plane because of their directions that sent me from one terminal T to then B, then to D, then to T. I literally was running around the Atlanta airport for an hour switching planes, and I was out of my mind. And, and so I snatched my boarding pass, took it from the woman, and she was still holding on to it. And it was as though she wanted to use that to say to me, like, I'm going to chase you to have my people chase you down the plane and not let you on the plane. Like, they've gotten crazy. And I realized, too, Completely that suddenly the woman calmed yeah. herself down because she knew I hadn't really done anything wrong. And that, oh you know what? She needed to get herself in check, especially after this United situation, because they don't all want to turn into another United with lawsuits. Because that's what's going to happen how, if they can if they continue to, in my in my opinion, abuse passengers. It's it's not going to be good for them. You, you think uh, it'll take a big hit? United Airlines going forward? No, I don't think so. I know that the, the stock's already come back. It's not a matter of that. But I do think that the, the social media outcry, um, you know, that this is not going to go away. It has legs. And I think that, unfortunately, we are all uh, beholden to the airlines that that fly around the world and our country, we cannot, um, you know, I mean, we can't pretend that we're not beholden to them. However, if they're going to mistreat us to the extent that this man was mistreated, Dr. Dow, or anybody else who gets mistreated, to the and and there's there's video uh, video record of it there's there's uh you know the recordings of it they're going to get sued they're going to continue to get sued this is not going to end with Dr. Dow I mean yeah you know, throwing throwing passengers off a plane because of their quote unquote dress code that didn't that you know they're in, enforcing all of these stricter rules for for how their passengers can ride on a plane um that's that's very uh how do you want to put it subjective and oh, totally. you know again it's taking advantage totally taking advantage of of what you know, what their rights are versus what a passenger's rights are. And it has come to them dragging someone off who suffered a concussion. It has come to that. And I think that totally this is going to create a legal uh, history that we are, going, we are going to see down the road. And if you're going to forcibly remove passengers off planes, and I've seen them do it because one passenger in a plane I was on was, was upset that his he there was no room for his overhead carry-on bag, and he was sitting in the third row, and it made no sense, right. and it wasn't right. And because he was upset about it, police came on board and removed the man. I watched it. I was on a particular plane on JetBlue that this happened. And you know what? It was uncalled for, totally uncalled for. And I was shocked that this man who was upset because he couldn't put his bag overhead – and asked to see somebody from the airline. It wasn't as if he was screaming and shouting. He says, I want to speak to someone from the airline. And the next thing you know, police came on and dragged him off the plane, took him, for, removed him. They didn't drag him. They, they forced him to leave the plane. And he, he went 
you know, he obliged. But why, if you if you have a legitimate complaint, which is that you've bought an extra room legroom seat and they have overcrowded the up, upper luggage bins because the stewardesses take the first bin and therefore the second bin goes to the first seat and the third bin goes to the second seat, et cetera, et cetera. He has a le- legitimate complaint and he's forced to get off of his flight that he paid for? I thought that was outrageous, yeah, that, frankly. Totally outrageous. So, and and, uh, and uh, this is this is just coming from one person who's flying around. I'm sure when people start comparing notes, they're gonna you're gonna hear more and more stories like this. Oh yes, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories that go untold. But they had the uh, uh, amateur camera phone footage to uh, you know so people see what's going on. But I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that we don't see that goes on every day. That's not well, I'm telling you, right. I would be having not only I would be having a ticket refund, and I would be having not just apologies. I mean, the fact of the matter is that man who was who's forcibly removed from the plane by by police, and I'm not talking about the doctor. I'm talking about the gentleman I saw, who was who right. was forcibly when I say forcibly, three men surrounded him and said, "You must you must disembark." That that to me is force. You have men with guns telling you you have to get off the plane. Um, you know. That means his whole day, an entire day of work, income, whatever, this, that, and whatever is going on in your life, was disrupted, and he lost whatever that was. That needs to be compensated. There was no reason to take that man off that plane because he was upset and made a a few remarks about his luggage not being able to fit. That's outrageous. Totally agree with you. Okay, I wanted to get... Talk to you about the Aaron Hernandez uh, story. Here's some sound. We do move on tonight into new reporting here this evening after a former Patriot star was discovered dead in his cell. Authorities say it was a suicide tonight. What was discovered written on Aaron Hernandez's head when he was found in that cell. ABC's Eva Pilgrim outside the prison in Shirley, Massachusetts tonight. Tonight, questions surrounding the death of former NFL star Aaron Hernandez, his body now with the state medical examiner. ABC News learning he was found in his cell with John 316 across his forehead, a Bible verse referencing death and eternal life. Prison officials have called his death a suicide, saying he hanged himself with a bedsheet tied to his prison cell window. Miami Dolphins' Mike Pouncey posting, Today, my heart hurts as I got the worst news I could have imagined. It was just a day ago we shared our last convo. But tonight, some of those close to him suspect foul play. Something's not right. Something doesn't add up. Not guilty. Pointing out 27-year-old Hernandez was just acquitted five days ago in a 2012 double murder, emotional in court, blowing kisses to his daughter. Guilty of murder in the first degree and appealing that life sentence for another murder, a stunning fall from grace for the former tight end for the Patriots, once with a $40 million contract, cut by the team after being led from his house in handcuffs, arrested for the 2013 murder of his friend, Odin Lloyd. His lawyer saying there were no conversations or correspondence from Aaron that would have indicated anything like this was possible. Aaron was looking forward to an opportunity for a second chance to prove his innocence. Many Patriots who played alongside Hernandez visited the White House to celebrate their Super Bowl victory, his cousin remembering those better days. He was the first one to make it. And um, from our side of the family, he was the first one. David, authorities who are now investigating the circumstances of Hernandez's death are looking at his recent time here in prison, including any fights 
or possible gang-related activity. We are told he was not on suicide watch. David? Eva Pilgrim in Massachusetts. Thank you, Eva. Aphrodite Jones, what do you make of this story with this uh, rising star all the way to uh, death in a prison cell? Well, let's remember that Aaron Hernandez, when I covered his uh, murder trial, which I did on Fox News, um, when he was convicted in June of 2013 for the murder of Odin Lloyd, that was um, an absolute conviction. And he was sentenced to serve life in prison without parole. Now, having said that, because he, he was appealing it, has no bearing on the fact that a jury found him guilty of murder in the first degree. And I studied that case. He was behind that murder. He deserved that mm-hmm. conviction. Okay. The first one. So absolutely. So th- then to, to, to then look and, and say his, his Jose Baez, his attorney now wants to say that because mo- more recently, just five days after he was acquitted of the murders of two men in 2012 outside of Boston nightclub, which is a separate case. But hence, everything was good for for Aaron Hernandez. Well, maybe not so much, Jordan, because Aaron Hernandez is a murderer, a convicted murderer. And people who are convicted murderers who also, there's enough evidence to bring a trial against them for two more murders, by the way, means that that person, whether he was convicted or not in the other murders, which, by the way, I've looked into and he had a lot, there was a lot of uh, circumstantial evidence to point in his direction, has a lot of problems. Yes. This is a man who is in his mind is not right. And and I, I don't I don't mean that in, in to, to to sound coy. I mean anyone who kills people right. who murders someone is is has got something psychologically wrong with them to be able to commit an act of murder. But when you have somebody who is a star, who has a forty million dollar contract under his belt, who's won a Super Bowl and that person turns to murder think about just think about that for a minute and try to reconcile those two things and realize how crazy this man was i heard i mean this isn't somebody who snapped he couldn't you know leave, so i'm sorry leave the uh the so-called gangster lifestyle even though he had all that money he didn't want to leave let uh you know, be without that part of that gangster style of life. What do you think? He about was that? definitely in the gangster lifestyle, and he had cousins and other people who were covering for him, who were shut up, who were this, who were that. I mean, this guy was a thug in the worst sense of the word, thug. And I'm sorry for his teammates who cry and his family who cry and feel badly that you know this man committed suicide. And I'm sorry, even more so, that he is an attorney who has the audacity to say that this was a murder inside the court, inside the prison, or to in you know yeah, insinuate you know? this. How would he know? And, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, this guy is one of the most mental cases that you could think of. This takes O.J. Simpson to a whole other level because there's no reason that he was killing this, that he killed the first man, Odin Lloyd, and there's no reason for him to have been a, a suspect in the slayings of two men outside of a Boston nightclub. 
to the point that it was brought to trial. And by the way, when you bring something to trial, there's got to be a lot of evidence because they don't waste taxpayers' dollars unless they think they're going to get a conviction. So, and I, and I looked into that case. There was a lot of evidence against him. They may not have been able to have enough to convict him behind, beyond a reasonable doubt, but believe me, there, this man was involved. Okay, he was there behind the scenes, and. For anyone to look at this person and say how sad it is that he killed himself, no, not so sad. Because what did he write on his forehead, the Bible, John 3.16? What he wrote was that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, for all my sins, I am going to be absolved. This is what he uh, wants yes. to tell the world. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, some crazy stuff. Uh, I think, like you said, when he had the $40 million contract, he had so much to live for, his children, his wife, uh, to be. Well, he didn't have so um, much to live for, though, because he wasn't going to ever see the children of the wife. He knew that. He was had appeals going, but the fact of the matter was, just because he was acquitted of two additional slayings, he was given life without parole for the murder of Odin Lloyd. That was a sentence that was going to be upheld. He was never going to get out of prison. He knew it. True. So for Don't him to to kill himself and, and and you know the whole idea that oh this could have been a murder or this is something fishy and that he didn't do that oh really well not only did he have that written on his forehead okay but also uh investigators found three handwritten notes next to a bible in his prison cell okay so when they say there's no uh no notes no this no that no recently released three handwritten notes and that that the morning he hanged himself by that bed sheet in his prison cell, the Massachusetts Department of Correction said that they found uh, not only again the the Bible verse John three sixteen written on Hernandez's forehead, but also they found cardboard had been jammed into the door tracks of this cell, which was for a single in- inmate, to impede entry. So not from the outside, from the inside. And there were no struggles, signs of a struggle, and he was alone at the time. So you, you're going to try to tell me that someone somehow magically got inside the cell, killed Aaron Hernandez, who's, 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 who's capable of killing anyone the size he is and the age he is, 27 years old himself, okay, Without, with no struggle, right? And then wrote the Bible verse on his forehead, opened up Bibles and wrote notes, and then somehow was able to shove cardboard in from the inside, impeding entry, and, ex- and escape from the cell. This was, would have been a really great Houdini. Yeah. It's just unbelievable <laughs> totally. to me that the, the, the people on Hernandez's side, uh, Jose Bias, is trying to make this into a murder inquiry. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's uh, Jose Bias uh, all over again, a la Casey Anthony. You know, things, yeah. some of the things yeah. that come out of his mouth. Absolutely. I mean, and, it's uh, it's ruled a suicide, and it's official. And, uh, you know, that's according to the, uh, you know, the district attorney 
in 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 that that county, Worcester County. So, uh, you know, all this nonsense about whether or not uh, because he'd been cleared of a double murder and the hands he had so much to look forward to. No, he didn't. He had nothing to look forward to. His life was over as he knew it. Maybe because he got himself out. In, uh, on the outside and saw the world again um, in his next trial, he realized just how much he really had lost, that there was no more, you know, seeing anybody wearing a suit, wearing regular clothing, you know, th- there's nothing. And I've been in a lot of prisons. It's bleak, 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 and more bleak, especially when you're alone in a cell. There's nothing to look and forward to. And you've heard of uh, people uh, killing themselves in jail just to, Get away from it, right? I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories. Oh, of course. Many of John Doe's. Many? Are you kidding me? There are people who kill themselves on the way to the prison. I was just did a a conference for for police in North Carolina, and two people tell me stories. Two tell me stories of of um, when they had finally nabbed the the, the murderer. And we're taking them to jail, you know, to to first start the process of arraignment and then ultimately bringing them to trial. But that two separate people had this experience where the person hung themselves with the um, seatbelt in the backseat of the cruiser car. Wow. Wow. Okay, so you want to talk about people who can be tough on the outside when they're the bully and when they've got all the power, when they've got the guns and all the money and all the drugs and everything else. But then when it comes time for their turn, okay, maybe not so much that they like this idea, and then they've got enough crazy in them that they'll take their own life rather than face any consequences. And that's exactly what this guy did. Exactly what he okay, did. Okay, let's talk about the Cleveland Facebook murderer, his himself, and I'll get you Good evening, and we side. begin here tonight with a bloody ending to a mystifying and horrifying story involving a murder that played out on a video posted on Facebook. The suspect recording on his phone as he shot and killed an elderly man right on the street. The case is raising all sorts of questions about crime in the era of social media. Uh, looks like there's one guy down in the white car. The two-day nationwide manhunt for 37-year-old murder suspect Steve Stevens is finally over after he took his own life late this morning. This started with one tragedy and ended, you know, with another person taking their own life. And, and you know, loss of life is a loss of life. Uh, we would like to have brought Steve in peacefully and really talked to him to find out exactly why this happened. I'm at the point where I snapped. Stevens was on the run after posting this chilling video to his Facebook page on Easter Sunday. Found somebody about to kill. I'm about to kill this guy right here. The old dude. He recorded himself randomly killing 74-year-old Robert Godwin Sr. in cold blood on a sidewalk in Cleveland. How old are you? Oh man, look. 911 calls from a neighbor who witnessed the scene describe the chaotic aftermath. Where was he shot at? He's been shot in the head. Is he awake at all? No, I don't. He's on cops. He's dead. Cleveland police did make phone contact with Stevens on Sunday, but weren't able to convince him to turn himself in. Stevens's trail went cold shortly thereafter, leaving much of the country on edge. This individual is armed and dangerous, and quite frankly, at this point, he could be a lot of places. Cases like this where there's a national search and the leads have dried up, uh, the public is uh, part of solving the crime. The key to finding Stevens today, a call to 911 from drive-through employees at a McDonald's in Erie, Pennsylvania, 
where Stevens' cell phone had pinged a tower on Sunday. I came through drive-through, placed an order, got to the first window where he pay, and uh, the drive-through employee that was working at the time recognized him or thought, uh, noticed that the car was Ohio tags on it and it was a white Fusion, and uh, took his money and he pulled to the next window. Meanwhile, she stepped out of there and called the state police right away. Employees then asked Stevens to wait for his fries, which they deliberately held back in order to give law enforcement time to arrive. He didn't want to wait for the fries, which was fine. He took his six-piece and didn't want any money back and headed out onto Buffalo Road. And about the minute he turned right on Buffalo Road, uh, the state police was right behind him at that point. Losing him wasn't an option at this point. There was too much at stake. A short pursuit followed with Pennsylvania State Troopers bringing Stevens's car to a stop. At that time, Stevens used a handgun to take his own life. For the family of the victim, a grandfather of 14, Stevens's death offers little comfort. That still ain't making me feel no better because he took himself out like a coward. I still ain't getting no closure for me and my baby. This senseless killing raises real questions about the role and responsibility of social media in potentially glorifying acts of violence. This is something that should not have been shared around the world, period. Stevens' graphic video remained on his Facebook page for more than two hours, viewed by more than a thousand people before his account was disabled. Today, the CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, acknowledged his company needs to do better. Our hearts go out to the family and friends of Robert Godwin Sr., and we will keep doing all we can uh, to prevent tragedies like this from happening. Stevens' murder video was part of a series of rants he posted on his Facebook page on Sunday morning. I would deal with people's problems every day, but when it comes to my shit, nobody gives a f He even claimed in one video that he was on a killing spree. Like I said, I killed 13, so I'm working on 14 as we speak. I'm just running around hating my man. I just, I just snapped, man. <laughs> Steve Stevens is not the first person to post himself committing a violent crime on social media. Earlier this year, a Facebook Live video in Chicago captured the beating of an 18-year-old with special needs for nearly 30 minutes. Why you do In that case, Facebook removed the video and the four suspects were charged with committing a hate crime, kidnapping, unlawful restraint, and aggravated battery. We got pulled over for a busted tail light in the back. But last summer, a Facebook Live video of Philando Castile dying after being shot by a police officer while disturbing also cast a powerful spotlight on police traffic stops and racial justice. He just shot his arm off. Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, kept streaming, providing possible evidence in an upcoming trial of Officer Geronimo Yanez, who has pleaded not guilty to second-degree manslaughter. He's licensed to carry. He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet out his um, pocket. I chose to allow the video to go live 10 seconds before my phone died because I wanted everybody in the world to see what the police do and how they roll. Okay, Aphrodite, what do you make of this latest uh, scary incident uh, via Facebook? What's your thoughts on it? Well, let me say first and foremost that the one comment that I heard in that clip was, um, I believe it was an investigator saying that this should never have gone on, it should have never aired live, period. Right. And I believe that, you know, Zuckerberg having made it, finally made a comment about this saying he's going to try to do better, whatever that means. Um, I know that it's right. impossible to um, 
Yeah, I presume it's impossible to to uh, what what are you going to do? Screen every single video that every human being puts up on on the internet? I don't think it's impossible to do that. It, you, I, you know, I, I don't. We've created a monster here that I don't know how you tame. But I will say that um, myself personally. I'm talking to you about it because you're asking me to, but my way of dealing with this is not not to have looked at this video, not to mention the name of the person who did this, not to have talked about this with anyone in my life, because to me, this person was desperate for attention and for some kind of notoriety. Sure. And that is that is the thing that I do not want to give this person because – you know, he may obviously had a tormented mind, but for him to uh, say that uh, he had already killed a dozen other people, and which wasn't true, um, it, this was a, he. He was somebody who felt he was being ignored. He wanted to be recognized, and you know, so what does he do? He goes out and kills a 74-year-old grandfather who's picking up cans. Not because he needed the money, but because it's just something he did. In other words, is a kind citizen trying to keep the world a cleaner, better place. And Good man. And Good his, yeah. his life is taken by someone who has got no self-esteem, who craves attention, and puts it on Facebook so that everybody in the world can see a live murder. And apparently this guy, uh, you know, made some comments, posts that he had lost everything to gambling and, you know, you know, bragging that he killed 12 people. Then it was an Easter Day slaughter and all this crap that he wrote. The bottom line is <laughs> killing sure. someone on Facebook Live should never, ever happen, ever. And it's 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 irrational for the person to have broadcast it. But it's it's more rational for people to actually watch it. I, I I just can't. I can't. I don't want to be involved in thinking about it. I don't want. I don't want to be involved in people being able to brag about their acts of violence. And I certainly don't want to be part of that worldwide audience that's looking at it. It's true. It's true. Okay, I want to play some sounds from this bill that's going to pass in North Carolina. To ban gay marriage. Here's just some sound that'll get you talk on the other side. Janavel in the effort to overrule the Supreme Court and ban gay marriage in North Carolina. AJ. Yes, Sharon. Essentially, what this bill would do is make gay marriage in the state no longer valid. Now, sponsors of the bill told me earlier in the day that what they're essentially looking to do is bring North Carolina back to how it was in 2012 before the federal government intervened. But a lot of people I spoke to today tell me that this proposal has them scratching their heads. House Bill 780 introduced Tuesday would look to make gay marriage invalid in North Carolina. The bill states the U.S. Supreme Court overstepped its legal rights in 2015 when it ruled in favor of gay marriage. The bill even quotes the decree of God from the book of Genesis. And one of the sponsors of the bill, Representative Michael Speciali, told me off camera he's only looking to return North Carolina state law to what it was before the U.S. Supreme Court got involved. Ideally, the people who make laws would be helping to, um, to make the situation around discrimination better instead of perpetuating it. Ames Simmons with Equality NC tells me he thinks the bill is only meant to be symbolic. There's no way in modern society that a law... Uh, this rear guard would pass. 
I spoke with Greg Wallace, a Campbell Law professor. He tells me this bill faces an uphill legal battle as well. While people legitimately can disagree with the Supreme Court's gay marriage decision, a state legislature cannot overrule the Supreme Court's interpretation of the federal constitution. Wallace says anytime federal law and state law conflict, federal law wins. If this bill were to become law, uh, it, would, uh, it would be declared unconstitutional. Now, several groups did respond to this bill's proposal today, including the governor, who said the bill is wrong and we need more LGBT protections, not fewer. Now, I also reached out to all of the sponsors of this bill to see if I could get any kind of official comment. However, I did not hear from any of them. I also reached out to the GOP as well as the NC Values Coalition for any sort of comment, but I did not hear back. And just to reiterate, all of the sponsors of this bill are Republican. Reporting live here in Raleigh, I'm A.J. Janivel for CBS North Carolina. Okay, Aphrodite, you've been covering the LGBT uh, thing for a while now. Well, what do you make of this uh, bill that they're trying to do, and uh, do you think it'll come through? And overall, well, first of all, North okay. Carolina. Uh, let, let me, let me uh, chime in to say, first of all, okay. same-sex marriage has been ruled constitutional by the federal government. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. It is no longer an issue. This is not up to a state to decide anymore. And for this bill, which is known as the Uphold Historical Marriage Act bill, to say that the United States Supreme Court has overstepped its constitutional bounds is crazy, okay? It did not overstep its constitutional bounds. It is the United States Supreme Court. Okay. And so you can't, a state can't supersede what the federal law of the land has determined. And it cannot invalidate same-sex marriages. And not only that, they want to reportedly include marriages that have already been officiated both in and out of the state despite the Supreme Court's ruling. So they want to go back in time and invalidate marriages that have already been officiated. I mean, this is ridiculous. And the sponsors of this bill, uh, who say that the state's constitution voided same-sex marriage in 2012, well, guess what? The United States Supreme Court validated same-sex marriage in t- and and now that cannot be changed in 2017. It will not be changed. And these people are grasping at straws. And frankly, I don't know why. I don't right. know why. I mean, look, their bathroom bill that was repealed where LGBTQ people had to revert to going back to using the bathroom, not to which they identified with, but to which they, um, you know, physically, their their body physically belonged, however you want to call it, that, you know, this is half-baked now, a half-baked attempt at somehow making more out of the bathroom bill. I mean, look, the governor said it, Roy Cooper, Governor Roy Cooper said it, this bill is wrong, that we need more LGBT protections, not fewer, and I'm quoting him. 
So, you know, to, right. yeah, they were able to limit the LGBTQ uh, protections that required transgender people to use the bathrooms corresponding to the sex on their birth certificate. So they did that. But guess what? It cost North Carolina, that bathroom bill, $3.6 mm-hmm. billion dollars in lost business. Okay. Wow. So, and there's already been a compromise law um, that's being uh, being considered. Um, so, to replace this this bathroom bathroom so-called bathroom bill. So, it, I mean, you can't defy the Supreme Court's marriage ruling. Can't do it. And that maybe it's a big question to to these these uh, these particular um, you know politicians and representatives right. in North Carolina, um, all Republicans by the way that are sponsoring this bill. But uh, I find it very very um, unlikely that they will have any leg to stand on to go up against the Supreme Court ruling that has laid down the law of the land. Yeah, and it just seems that North Carolina in particular has really, uh, well, had a, not been a, a fan favorite of uh, LGBT. Well, nor- look, the way. House Speaker has said, by the way, that this North Carolina bill that's trying to ban same-sex marriage again will not be heard. So they introduced the legislation to outlaw same-sex marriage and defy that landmark Supreme Court ruling already, and and so the 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 uh, you know the speaker Paul Ryan is saying it's dead on arrival this bill. I'm sorry, the, not not Paul Ryan, the House Speaker in North Carolina said this. So I mean, even the House Speaker in North Carolina is saying this this bill is going to be dead on arrival. I mean, it just—it's really it, or it's drawing more negative attention to North Carolina for its transgender bathroom law that's already happened, for its being discriminatory towards same-sex marriage, for its calling on legislation that will never be valid or recognized. Why are they doing this? Because they're quoting the Bible. And 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 yeah. whether or not because because a ma- only a marriage between a man and a woman shall be valid or recognized according to the Bible, well, you know what, you can uh, twist and turn in the wind with regards to quoting the Bible when you're standing up against the Supreme Court of the United States. That is what we have in America: separation of church and state. Not everyone in America is a follower of the Bible, okay? Right. In the United States of America, we have laws, and those laws are dictated by our governmental agencies, the highest court being the Supreme Court. Remember in Kentucky, a county clerk was jailed. Remember that, Jordan? She refused to oh, comply yeah. with the court orders, and she, she refused to issue same-sex marriage license. She was jailed, she got jailed for right? that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court has has held firm on this issue, and this House bill will not be heard, and 
it's it's just another moment to show that North Carolina is back in time when it comes to the LGBT community, period, the end. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. And they will, by the way, lose more billions of dollars, okay? Um, I, I know that, by the way, this legislation already has prompted people like uh, companies like PayPal and Deutsche Bank to abandon NBA expansion plans, and away. the NBA is relocating their high-profile games. That's right, and the NCAA as well. So you know what? They're, they are – I mean, they are just shooting themselves in the foot. And by the way, the former governor of North Carolina who signed the bill initially was ousted from office after really? the election that was dominated by this whole thing. Okay, and, and, and then once he was ousted by, from office, he had started to agree with the LGBT rights groups. Oh I mean, it, it, it's just, it's just, again, LGBT people deserve more protections, not fewer, and same-sex marriage should not be discriminated against. We do not live in that environment anymore. We are not going back in time. We're How going forward in time. This this is an issue LGBT. that was decided has come in the last, let's say, 25, 30 years. Sorry? How far do you think it's come a long way since the 80s, 90s? Oh, my God. Uh, You know it. I mean, there's no question. When I wrote my book, uh, you know, All She Wanted, which I've now changed the title to All He Wanted, and I did that because I had my own uh, a moment of recognition that once Caitlyn Jenner came out and I realized that she was always a she, even though she lived as a he and was a, a, a Olympic medalist and all the rest, that that person always w- believed and had the mentality and had the understanding of being a female without the female parts. I changed the book that I wrote that became the movie Boys Don't Cry from the title All She Wanted to All He Wanted because Brandon, Tina, who was the subject of that book and movie, was always a he struggling in a female body and lived shortly as a he, but unfortunately was killed before he ever had a chance to have the sex change operation, before he ever had a chance to have hormonal therapy, and unfortunately was raped as a female and hence reported the rape as a female. So, you know, it is a strange story in which I had to refer to Brandon as both a she and a he, but I realized at the end of the day, 20 years after I wrote the book, that that person was always a he, and all he wanted was to be known as a he because that's what he believed he was from the moment he was born. And um, I hope people will go out and, and take give that book a chance because it's the only uh, – crime book, true crime book, that actually tells the true story and the real story of the first transgender murder case that we know about that was chronicled in America. I mean, I know so there are others, I can't, don't get me wrong, but not none that I know of that have been chronicled. Oh, sure. But is this the uh, latest book? Uh, yeah, yeah. Book? It's, it's called All He Wanted, and it's available on in paperback, on Amazon and uh, on um, also on Kindles, you know, on Amazon for Kindle. you know on eBooks. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this prevention 
person ever that you're going to be a part of, along with Nancy Grace, Josh uh, Manowitz, uh, Mankiewicz, Crime Con, Mankiewicz, right? <laughs> called Crime Con, and you know it seems to be very popular. Uh, what's this all about? So, uh, the well, guy from, uh, making it, a murder, the, the prosecutor is going to be there. Yeah, so. he's going to be there. Um. I was approached to do this some time ago. Um, it's the first ever um, convention of its kind. It's being held from June 9th to 11th in Indianapolis, and it is going to really be the next Comic-Con is what it's going to be. Um, right now, um, it's it's myself, Nancy Grace, and Josh, Josh Mankiewicz. We are headlining it, but we have um, all kinds of people from – Ken Kratz, as you say, who's the prosecutor and, uh, of, against Stephen Avery and what in the case that was uh, chronicled in Making the Murder. There's Effie Bailey. Sorry? Yeah, of course making, I did. did you, what was yes, your take of course. Well, what, which side? Hmm. Um, I, you know, having listened to Ken Kratz's side, I have to say that, you know, there's a bias that was was um portrayed in making a murderer i will i will say this i think the nephew was completely bamboozled and re-alerted and i think it was appropriate that the court determined that he should be released however uh stephen avery is another story and I am not so sure, based on the inside information that I've seen and heard, that he didn't do this and that he wasn't driven to murder out of his own insanity and out of his sense of injustice of the system. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to hear what this prosecutor has to say because I know he's really up in arms about it. I thought they did a fantastic job. I loved the uh, documentary, as many millions of people did. But I don't know that um, I believe that Stephen Avery is innocent. Let me put it that way. I have to think about it. It gave me something to think about. Um, but the, so but, you'll be but there far, oh, sorry. In, in Indianapolis from June 9th, June 11th. Will you be there both days or one day? I will be there June the 9th story? and 10th. I'm doing a, a presentation okay. on the inside, uh, never-before-seen side of Scott Peterson. I'm doing a book signing oh. of all, she, all He Wanted and a reading from that. Um, and there are going to be web sleuths there. There are going to be podcasters from all over the country there, the top crime podcasters. I think 20 of them from across the country will be there. There's going to be um, practicing lawyers for, you know, human rights, for wrongful convictions and defrosting cold cases. And, I mean, there are – I mean, this is, this is going to be a huge – um, crime convention, and you're going to hear real people time, right? giving you profiles, first ever. You're going to have, you know, stories from true crime historians. You're going to have um, people that are presenting actual innocence, um, people that are presenting uh what kind of unresolved crimes there are from the past. Um, there will be sleuthing events as well. Um, the, you know, it's not just about guests and listening, but it's also about, uh, you know, actually getting involved in having an experience 
where you're you are um you know you know the escape room experience that you're familiar with those mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah um you know they're going to be things like that they're going to be VIP um you know dinners and lunches and 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 profiles and obviously they'll also have murder murder mystery dinners but there's going to be also self defense basics and and you know uh there there will be a lot there available to people to who want to get into who want to get into the kind of exclusive how people solve comic sides, how people, uh, are, why people are getting into digital forensics, how, why people are doing investigations, how they do their investigations, what is an interrogation experience like, um, citizens who are detectives who think sideways, all these kind of things will be brought up throughout the convention. And it's, I think it's going to be something that's going to turn really hot. I know that right now people are trying to get tickets and the prices have gone up and have come to me and said, can you help me get a lower price? I didn't price it. I'm doing this actually for free. I have nothing to do really? with it other than I agreed to appear. Um, I think it's worthwhile to, to be there. I think that people want this. Um, there's going to be a lot of exhibitors there, and I'm curious to see what I can learn from everyone else. You know? Yeah. So uh, they have a website or something. That oh yeah, are? it's crimecon.com, and I okay. believe uh, Oxygen Network is sponsoring it as well. I believe. So. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely should check that out. Oh, by the way, it's been 18 years since the uh, tragic shooting of the Columbine High School in Colorado, leaving 39 dead or injured in 99. Remember that? And if so, what's your thoughts on that? Of course I remember that. Yeah, I know. So what's your thoughts on that? The Columbine murder? Yeah. One of the worst? (sighs) You know, the thing about it is that when when Columbine happened um, 18 years ago, I really thought that even though it wasn't the first shooting ever in a school, I thought that it would be something that we'd all look at as a society and say that we can never, ever allow this to happen again, this kind of shooting spree, a killing spree. Thirteen people were killed, 12 students and a teacher. And... Mm-hmm. It still stands oh, yeah. as one of the worst high school shootings in U.S. history. But, you know, the national debate that we've had on this about school safety, 18 years later, we have more shootings in schools than ever before. And I sure. feel that children are in danger at school, and I think that we should have metal detectors at every school. And I've said that years yeah. ago, and I say, continue to say it. And frankly, Jordan, I know that it's expensive, but my goodness, what's at but, stake here is our children's lives and our future. How do you not yeah, find the money to put metal detectors in schools to protect our children? I mean, we have them in every airport. That's worth protecting, apparently. Why aren't schools? I'm sorry, but I just, to me, it's not about not forgetting it. It's about figuring out a way to make this conversation something that people do something about and fight for. I mean, I'm not – I don't have children, but I consider 
my sister's kids, my kids, my husband's kids and grandkids, my kids, and everybody's kids, my kids, therefore. Right. And in that regard, you know what I mean? If, if kids are in danger at school, then we need we have a serious problem on our hands in America, and they are innocents that need to be protected. They cannot be walking into high schools, colleges, and elementary schools, let's not forget Newtown, okay, mm-hmm. and be murdered by maniacs when that could be prevented by a simple metal detector and locks on the rest of the doors with one way in and one way out of a school. Maybe a little inconvenience, just like airports, but convenience be damned in, a, in the circumstance we live in right now. We are not in. We are not. We cannot afford to lose any more people, children, to crazy men and women that want to kill. It just can't. This is. I mean, I have begged, I have pleaded, I have asked for petitions about getting um, metal detectors in schools, and it's fallen on deaf ears. And I, frankly, I don't know where you go for that. I mean, you know, you go to these change.org organizations and they go and ask people for a bunch of money and nothing happens. And, and people feel apathetic. I don't know what you do. Do we call our lawmakers? What do we do to get this to happen? What do we I, do I, I just think that's the only answer. You're not going to prevent people from bringing stuff to, into school. You've got to prevent them from getting a gun through the door. No, you're 100% right. It's sad that it still happens in Newtown more recently. Um, I'm sure there's more that I can't think of off the top of my head, but uh, yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, it's constant. And, and and I mean, when I say constant, I mean also that there's always a plot. You know, there's plots that are being foiled constantly. And thank God they are. But, I mean, look at this the, the murder-suicide that just happened at the San Bernardino school. Mm-hmm. That was days ago. It was April 10th. Yeah. yeah. No, that's I mean, 100% scary. I mean, this is not you – know, This is. I'm not talking out of my head too. here. I mean, that two people were too. killed in an elementary school in San Bernardino. And, and it happened in a movie. classroom. And those I mean, think about uh, this. This isn't, this isn't only what Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold did at Columbine. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is the six-year-old boy that shot and killed his classmate, another six-year-old in Michigan, who wasn't charged because of his age. This is another kid, 13 years old, who killed his teacher in, on the last day of classes in a middle school in Lake Worth, Florida. This is, I mean, it, 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 you start looking at a list, and you, you cannot believe how many there are. It's not we only hear about the big shootings. We only hear about the mass shootings, about the new towns. Oh, no, no, no. You can literally find dozens of examples of shootings in schools across America in the last two decades. It's, it's, it's insane. And, and it's unreal. And finally, I wanted to get your take on, uh, according to Yahoo.com, Bruce Springsteen coming out with a song where he bashes Donald Trump mm. that. You know, there's a lot of people uh, bashing President Trump, and there's a lot of people that are um, protesting um, that are 
icons and legends and favorites of mine, including Bruce Springsteen and Robert De Niro, and we could, the list can go on. And I think I said this to you in my last conversation with you, talking about the president. I I, I believe I did. Maybe it was a different radio show. But the, my stance <laughs> on this is um, we need to stop bashing the president of the United States, and we need to start respecting the office, period, the end. We don't like what he's doing. Um, there are – everyone has their right to protest – so the, go right ahead. But so far, um, all that I see and all that you hear is every celebrity in the world jumping on the bandwagon to rile up the public against the, the leader of the country. And I personally don't think that's healthy for America. I really don't, especially when we're in such dangerous times. We have terrorists who are out to get us. We have homegrown terrorists who are out to get us. We have children who are killing each other. We have drugs that are rampant. I don't need to go on and on. That's why Trump was elected, because a number of people in this country see those problems as serious. And they elected this man in the hopes that perhaps something could change. And before he has an opportunity to even get started, he's already being bashed by everyone and their brother and sister that has any voice and the public's ear and can bend it. And I think personally, it's an undermining of the U.S. government. It's an undermining of the president. And I don't approve of it one iota, not a bit. My dad was a military career man. He's buried in Arlington in a national cemetery in Washington, D.C. I do Arlington, Virginia, I mean, but I do not want to see my president, the president, trounced on by every celebrity who has their own biased views about whatever it is they want to gripe about. Write your songs, do your music, and do what you're good at. And stop polluting the air with your philosophies, especially when we have so much at stake here. That's my, you know, my biased opinion. They're going to be biased. I can be just as biased. And I don't have, and you know, guess what, too? I have no problem sharing that sentiment. There you go. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Uh, Thank you for having Easter. me, Jordan. Happy, <laughs> happy Easter, happy Easter to you. <laughs> okay. Happy Easter and Passover so, uh, to you. Have a, and thanks we'll for having on me on. You, uh, yeah, we'll get you on before you go on that crime con, and we'll spice it up a little more. And, uh, yeah, that would be great we'll because the crime con thing is going to be a big deal. I'm also doing yeah. a true crime cruise. It's the first oh, ever wow. true crime cruise, and it is um, it is actually going to be, um, if we could talk about it for a quick minute, um, sure. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's never been one before. Um, we're going to go October 2nd. From Oct- from October, if you go to my website, I will have something posted there. About it. Yeah, um, it's not posted yet because apparently, let me see, there may be a new website. Hold on a second. Let me see VIP Cruises Tours. Here's the website. Okay, fantastic. So the website is true-crime-cruise.squarespace.com. I know that's long, so I'm going to repeat it. 
if you send me the link, I will uh, post okay. that. Okay, I'm going to send you the link. Um, but what I'm going to tell you about so, it is this: we are we are going to go from Miami to mm. um, to uh, the Bahamas, to Paradise Island. Wow! From Paradise Sounds Island. Good. Yeah, from Paradise Island, we are going to um, another island that is a private island owned by mm-hmm. the cruise line, and it's a it's a lovely cruise line. Okay, um, the cruise is being called Murder on the High Seas with Aphrodite Jones, and there will be special guests there. I'm probably going to have so an FBI profiler on board. Sorry, this is this is your thing that you're putting together. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. And um, so we're going from Miami to the Bahamas to Key West, Margaritaville, and all of that, and then back to Miami. It's from October 2nd to October 6th, and so it's five days and four nights on the Royal Caribbean Enchantment of the Seas, which is a beautiful ship, It's um, mm-hmm. and it's also great pricing. It's actually... Um, very reasonable pricing. It's um, $499 a person, double occupancy for a stateroom, which wow. if you think about good. it, that includes everything. I, I believe there's a wow. tax you pay as well or whatever it is, a, you know, international tax, whatever it is, something. But um, for $500 for five nights, you can't even eat at home for that. Um, <laughs> it's true. Honestly. You get a hotel and you're going to be, you're going to be getting, you know, the, 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 you know, we will do uh, mystery dinner. We will do um, presentations from insiders in the FBI, from myself. The, there will be other personalities there. But it's also all meals, full production shows that they do on board anyway on the Royal Caribbean. And heading off to, you know, um, Nassau and Cokeray, which are two islands in the Bahamas, and then Key West and back to Miami. So it's a, it's going to be a beautiful time um, the first week in October, and we already have a bunch of people who have signed up. And um, if you would like, I will give you the number to call in. Um, okay. It's 1-800-273-7628. Yeah, and uh, when we get closer, we'll get get, get you on for the prime time and uh, this uh, boat ride uh, cruise, if you will. So we'll Absolutely, that'd be great. That. Fantastic. Okay, Aphrodite, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, Jordan, thanks so much. Okay. Good night. Good night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Aphrodite Jones. Um from the ID network as uh, we got into the North Carolina LGBT law. Uh, first, let me give some shout-outs. find it here. Big shout-out goes out to Madeline, Pager, Vicky, uh, Phyllis. Big shout-out to you guys tonight. Uh, yes, so we got into Aaron Hernandez. Um, it's a sad situation, no matter how you look at it, with the Aaron Hernandez situation, in my opinion. Um, that with that Facebook killer, I agree that 
we should not be giving him any more attention. Uh, very tragic indeed, um, as far as that is concerned. And with that United Airlines, oh my, that is uh, that is the worst. But uh, this is a TBT. Let's leave you with uh, Crystal Waters uh, and Gypsy as we leave you with this. Till next time on King Jordan Radio. Mm-hmm.